as Luke is coming up to read with, for you the scripture for today, I want to give some context to it. This happens right as Jesus is into his final week. We call it Holy Week. Come on up, Luke. Um, this passage, because it happens during that time in Jesus' life, like everything else going on in that moment of his journey, was weighted with extra importance. People were listening to what he had to say because it just felt they could feel that something major was about to happen. And as they listened to what he had to say in this story, you'll discover, as I will share in a few minutes, some were looking for him to answer in a way that would set him up. They would fall into what they wanted him to say. Instead, Jesus' answer confuses them. Listen to the story and let's talk about that. Then the Pharisees went and plotted to entrap him in what he said. So they sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians saying, Teacher, we know that you are sincere and teach the way of God in accordance with truth and for and show deference to no one, for you do not regard people with partiality. Tell us then what you think. Is it lawful to pay taxes to the emperor or not? But Jesus, aware of their malice, said, Why are you putting me to the test, you, you hypocrites? Show me the coin used for the tax. And they brought him a denarius. Then he said to them, Whose head is this, and whose title? They answered, the emperor's. Then he said to them, give therefore to the emperor the things that are the emperor's, and to God the things that are God's. When they heard this, they were amazed. They left him and went away. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Luke. Would you guys join with me in a word of prayer? Gracious and loving God, we ask for your spirit to flow. For we have come in today confused. Part of our journey this week has left us unsettled. So speak to that. Speak to our need for you today in all the ways that we have it. And let us discover the ways that you want to come to us we didn't even anticipate. Through holy water, spoken word, silent thoughts, prayer, fellowship, all that is necessary. Build us up and speak to us personally in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Were you the kind of kid who liked to get dirty? You know, you were the one to whom mom or dad would say, now we're getting ready to leave. You can go outside and play, but don't get dirty. And you almost inevitably did. Are you the kind of adult who likes to play in the mud? You know, you came in today with a little bit of dirt underneath your fingernails, and you're okay with that. 
Maybe you were coming through the parking lot this morning like I saw a fairly large water mud puddle, ice puddle over here as you came in. Did any of you have any temptation to go straight through it? Well, your comfort with getting dirty, to get in the mud, to get in the muck of things, is being tested around here. This past week, I was driving in from Walden Road, and I pulled in the driveway, and I saw our general contractor over on this side of the building, so I thought I'd stop and ask him about how things were going. He took me in to the new community center, the, I mean, the community center, the uh, gathering area, right in front of the entry going into the uh, sanctuary, sanctuary on the far side. It's where the tall block wall is right now. And he took me in there, and I will tell you this, I was overwhelmed, so blessed to see the size of that space. It's going to be fantastic. And while I'm looking at how beautiful it was going to be, I looked at it, my feet about two inches stuck in the mud. There's no floor in there. It's all just mud. And uh, as I walked back out in the sanctuary, out in the parking lot from the community gathering, or that gathering area, I looked down, and I just had mud all over my shoes. And I thought, well, this is appropriate. Because this is the time of year we begin a season with dirt. We start off with dust and muck, and we even make it a part of our religious practice. We started the season of Lent this past Wednesday. Gathered together, and I heard Reverend Reagan say, I invite you, therefore, in the name of the church, to the observance of a holy Lent by self-examination and repentance, by prayer, fasting, and self-denial, and by reading and meditating on God's holy word. And after that invitation for a holy Lent, we came forward, and both Megan and Laura were up front, and we came to them with an act of humility to receive this. Repent and believe the gospel. Amen. Thank you both. We marked ourselves with dirt. Because this is a time when we come into the presence of Christ, sacrificing all of our pride and arrogance, and humbly coming before Jesus to say, we just want the courage and the ability to walk with you these weeks. Because we know where we're going. We're going to end up on a Palm Sunday, we're going to end up on a Good Friday. And we're going to go to Easter, but we have learned over the years that you can't get to Easter without going through Palm Sunday, without going through Good Friday, without going into the dirt, into the struggles, into the trials of life. You can't get there by an easy, always neat path. Which is why for the next six weeks, I'm inviting all of us to come together around this study of Shadow Savior. The idea of this study is very simple. The Jesus of our vacation Bible school will not be enough to carry us through the adult life. We want a Jesus who makes us comfortable. We want a Jesus who can be our friend. We want a Jesus who always loves us and we feel that warmth all the time. And that's all great. That's all true. That's all right. But we have also found that when I get close to Jesus, if I take that seriously, there are times he's going to take me to places where I get confused, where I'm scared, 
where I get angry, where life is not always neat, because life is not always neat. And Jesus goes even there with me. So for the next six weeks, we're going to walk with Jesus in some places that will stretch us, that will challenge perhaps some of the ways we've thought about Jesus and perhaps be surprised about where we discover him. For example, I'd like to think, I'd like to think that the more I grow in my faith, the more certain I can be about life, but that's not always true. For example, I want to be honest with you and tell you that I come into this morning very, very confused. There are things that I cannot make sense of, like those Pharisees and Herodians. These were two different groups of people on very opposite ends of the scale. The Pharisees wanted Jesus to follow the law of faith and reject the political power of the Romans. The Herodians wanted to get along, compromise. And these two factions were at war with each other until it came to Jesus, because in Jesus they saw a threat. His popularity, the power of his teaching, the number of people following him. They decided to put their differences aside so they could come and take Jesus out. And one of the ways to do that was to try to trap him with their logic, with their questions. So for a very bizarre moment, they came together, walked over to Jesus, and asked him this question. And you know the question. Here's a, here's a coin, Jesus. Uh, who's, whose is it? Was it? What should we do? Should we pay taxes to their occupying Roman force? If he said, pay taxes then the Pharisees could have said, see, he's not faithful to the law of our religion. And if he said, don't pay taxes, then he was a traitor to the emperor and could be put to death that way. So instead he takes up the coin. He says, well, what does it say on this? They say, well, it's a picture of the emperor on it. And he says, so give to the emperor what is emperor's and give to God what is God's. What does that mean? That's no answer. I mean, isn't everything God's? So, do I give something to the emperor who doesn't believe in God? The scripture says they were amazed at the end of this teaching, and not in a good way. They were confused. Today, I am confused. Today I'm confused about why I have to stand in front of my congregation again sharing with you anguish over a 19-year-old getting his hand on an automatic rifle and killing 17 of his classmates and staff. I'm confused as to why, in God's name, we're still having to have this moment. Today I'm confused because all my life, as a historian and as someone who has always been glad for the fact that this place is where different people could gather together 
People are telling me folks who've done nothing wrong have to get up and get out of here. I'm confused by that. I'm confused why in my email over the last couple of months, the majority of invitations I received for training have been not on Bible study, not on congregational care, but rather invitation over and over again so I can be trained to know how to respond in a moment of an active shooter and have rapid response in the life of our congregation. I'm confused. I'm confused as to why people still suffer. I'm confused as to why people are still living in poverty now. I'm confused the level of hate that I see people have, even in the name of Jesus. I'm confused when I see people who've gotten so hopeless they don't even care anymore. I'm confused when the very thing that I want to do is the thing that I can't do, and the thing I don't want to do is the thing that I do. I'm confused at times when I pick up the Bible looking for inspiration, and I just read it and go, what? A friend of mine wrote me this week, said this about reading her Bible. I easily get confused and lost in reading and remembering all the unfamiliar names and places. I get it. I get confused why prayer at times has to seem so hard and elusive. I'm really confused as to why is The Bachelor still on TV? I'm confused. Now, maybe my questions aren't your questions, but am I the only one confused? We gather here in worship. We come to classes to study. We pray with each other. We play with each other. And at times, we want a Jesus to make sense of it all. To tell us really clearly, let me know what to do. And remain confused. We're not alone. The disciples spent a lot of time confused. They followed him. They camped out with him. They ate meals with him. And every once in a while, they would get it, and they would follow him, and they were even able to do amazing things in his name, and then something would happen, and he would say something to them, and they would go, I don't get this. They were amazed, and not in a good way. They kept looking for Jesus to be the answer, meaning no gray, no confusion. And yet, With only a few exceptions, Jesus hardly ever took time to explain everything to them. He taught in parables, and only a couple of them did he say, okay, now this is what it means. Most of the time, he taught in parables, told them a story. You figure it out. You make sense of it. And then he always said, in one way or another, follow me. We're going over here. We're going over there. We're going to go see these people. And they would follow him, still confused. And over a period of time, they began to get the, the, the fact that that was the point. 
Jesus did not come to be their spiritual Google. Jesus did not come to answer all of the questions. You know, I don't know if any of the rest of you do this. I sit at home at night, and I'm watching TV, and now I Google everything. I wonder what show that person used to be in. Who are they from? So I'm Googling who they are. and I'm, I'm, Go- I, I'm answering everything because I've got Google sitting right on my phone right next to me and drives Laura nuts. <laughs> well, my confusion drives me nuts about this crazy world. And Jesus came to the disciples and he comes to us and he says, you know, I want you to follow me. You've heard it said that Jesus is the answer. Well, I believe he is. In my own personal life, he is the answer for I figured out that if I follow Jesus, if I can be like Jesus, I can be more of the Rick that God always wanted me to be. There are times in that discovery that I get into moments where I do not know. I don't understand. And he says, follow me. Just stay close. Because even in the moments when you're confused, I'm inviting you to have faith. That's right. Jesus came that you and I might have faith. Even when we're confused. To trust when we can't figure it out that we know who to stand next to. The church is called to be faithful. We will not always know the answers. We gather here today, admittedly, not always knowing the answers But we understand the church is a place where we come with our confusion and our questions. We name them. We talk about them. And in the naming of them, open ourselves up to the movement of a Holy Spirit that can sneak in and touch our life. Some people, when they get confused, want to lock themselves down and do little or nothing. The older I get, the more I've discovered that walking with Jesus means you're willing to risk even when you're not sure how it's going to turn out. You just follow where he takes you. In a world that's confused, the tendency is to race over the people who are screaming the loudest who seem to know all the answers and say, well, I'll just glom on with them. Jesus offers something different. In a world when you don't know the answers, get close to the one who does, even if it's not revealed to you right now. This past week, 17-year-old Cameron Caskey in Parkland, Florida, wrote about his situation as a member of the school in which the children were killed. And he wrote this very simply. My generation will not stand for this. 
He has no idea how to fix this. He doesn't have the answers. What he does have as a 17-year-old is a stirring in his cart that something is terribly wrong. And even if he doesn't know the answer, he's going to call out to his generation, let's figure it out, let's do something so we will not have to stand for this anymore. In the midst of his grief, he's making a declaration. In the midst of his confusion, he's calling us to no longer stand for it. Just let's get started there. Let's start our Lent there. My confusion... I have it. But I will not let my confusion paralyze me or keep me from acting or trusting in the one who will take me through the confusion. You confused? It's okay. This is a place to gather with other confused disciples of Jesus Christ whom he loves radically and will guide us through whatever we need to do next. Let this be the Lent where we take that seriously so that at the end of it, in the name and presence of Jesus Christ, we will all be amazed in a really good way.